Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today's message is changing your rules. Changing your rules. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Amen. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Verse 5 says this, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Amen. Amen. I want to just explain to you this morning what I'm going to be going through. And the title is Changing Your Rules because I think that when we become Christians or if you look from the outside and you're not even a Christian and you look at Christianity, if you've just been born again or you've experienced God, I believe that there's some things we need to know that we need to start changing the rules of how we think, of how we do things. And this is not rules as in what your mates or your friends at work would think. Because when I became a Christian, the, the first thing that people said to me was, is, oh, you've got to stop doing these things. You've got to stop doing that. Life's boring because you can't do this anymore. Or you can't do that. And I want to encourage you this morning that, Actually, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus that actually it's not about that at all. In fact, the, the gospel is, it talks about freedom. Freedom from rules, freedom from the law. And that would be the law, the Ten Commandments as we know in the Old Testament. That we are free through grace. This bit of scripture that we looked at in Colossians 3 is Paul speaking to the, the Colossian church and saying to them, encouraging them that they need to think differently. They need to think and look at life differently. And it's so easy to think that when you become a Christian and you walk in Christianity and you follow Jesus, that you start to think that you have to set up some rules around you. Set up rules that will almost make up the, the picture of what you think Christianity is about. You set these rules up. And we all do it. And actually, one of the things in the Ten Commandments is that it's, it says not to do is to uh, make up an image in our own, uh, an image of our own God. But sometimes, because we don't see Jesus, we don't look around, we don't see Him in the room, physically with our eyes, sometimes we start to add in and make our own rules for what Christianity is about. And we start to set up rules for how we should follow our lives. 
let me give you an example. I remember when I first became a Christian, some of the things are that the, the church tells us to do is to, uh, to pray, to read your Bible every day, and all these things that we must do. Later on, after I'd started to read my Bible and I started to pray, and people were saying, some preachers would say, uh, you know, you need to pray for an hour a day. Some people would say you need to pray for half an hour, five minutes, and you just didn't know where you were. Because all you ever tried to do is think, well, what do I need to do to, to please God? What are the rules I need to set in place now? I have a different life to please God. And we try to do all these things and put these rules into place. Now, some of these rules and most of the things that we try to do are all good things. Yeah? They're all good things. Praying is good. Reading the Bible is good. Let me tell you that praying and reading the Bible, if you don't do that anymore, and some of us, if we really put our hands up today, say, do you know I can do everything in my Christian walk, but no one knows what I'm really doing at home. I'm not really reading my Bible. I'm not praying because you've, you've done it. You've tried it. You set the standards and the rules and you failed. And now you don't even feel like trying again. And it's all because rules are set in place. First of all, let, remind, let me remind you of grace. It was the grace from the cross that allowed us to come to Christ, not through laws and rules, but to come freely into that place, whether we've read our Bible 500 times or once. Now the good, the thing is this, what we should always remember, it's the key with this, with rules and setting things in place, is that it's not about how many times you do it. It's not for God. It's for you. It's all for you. So God is watching and saying, do you know what? Son, daughter, you, I can see you can't read your Bible. You're trying, you failed. But do you know what? All I want to say is I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry with you because you can't do these things that you've set in place. That you've put around you to set up what your Christianity is. I'm not angry with you. But his word is this, that if you just look at the manual, look at the book, read it, you will learn and understand that I am good. And from it, the more you read, the more you want to do it, you won't look at the, how much you do it. You'll just want to do it. And this is the key. It all comes out of love and grace when we understand what his grace is. That we'll want to do it because... We love him. We want to do it because we realize that actually reading the book is helping us, not helping God. How many of you, I remember when I got, um, it must be five years ago, I bought one of these digital SLR camera type things. And I bought the camera, brought it home. And I'm, I'm always like this. Anything I ever buy like that, I cannot be bothered with the manual. I cannot be bothered with it. The, the manual kind of goes into this place with all other manuals. Yeah. It's rubbish. It goes into this place with all other manuals and it doesn't, it, it never gets read. In fact, I was looking through and cleaning some things out recently and I pulled out this camera one I got about five years ago and it was still new. I, st- I actually said to myself, one day I'm going to sit down one evening with my camera and go through, even though I know some of the things, just to make sure I know everything. But do you know what? Every time something goes wrong and we get the camera and I'm on holiday and it doesn't work and I can't understand why it works, it's because I tried to work it out myself. And I know some things, the basics, 
But it's then, right when I need it, that I just wish I'd have read the manual. You see, everything's in the manual. That's why the manufacturer made the manual. Because he knew that you wouldn't know everything. So it's just good for us to remember that these things, these rules that we might set in place might be good things. They might be good for us. But just be careful that your rules don't make your Christianity. Because when you set targets for yourself, even in business they say this, don't set your targets too high. Because when you fail, it looks as though you fail miserably. And then you'll never want to step up and try again. Charles Spurgeon, a great Baptist speaker, said this once, I found in my own spiritual life that the more rules I lay down for myself, the more sins I commit. He even said it. He even understood. And I want to encourage this because people who you meet and when you try to express your faith, everything about what you believe, they're going to say straight away, why should I want to follow rules? You don't want to give them the indication that you're defeated by rules. You want to tell them about the grace of God. The grace of God. Some of us today, it's like the Christianity we've got is just firefighting our own rules, our commandments. And you spend half your life trying to put the things out. And then another thing, and you just think, I can't do this anymore. But if I just go to church, show people that I can keep it together, no one will know. And I can just have my own set of rules. But do you know what? I want to encourage you today that God doesn't want us to have it like that. He wants us to have it differently. The Christian life shouldn't be based on a set of rules that you make for yourself. It's good to have discipline. It's good to put things in uh, discipline into practice. So rules are good in some context. But don't let them be the basis or foundation to everything you believe. Because when you fail, your faith fails with it. Paul said in Colossians, you died with Christ. And now you're raised with Christ. Ephesians 2, 6 says this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that sounds a little bit crazy for some of us, because some of us are thinking, well, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I ain't sitting anywhere up in heavenly realms. I'm still here. I'm sat at the front. I'm not in heavenly realms, as it seems with our natural eye. But what Paul is talking to us about, He's looking at things in a different sense. You see, there's a transaction that took place with heaven when we become Christians or you become a Christian. And that transaction is when your old self, your old life, everything that's rotten about you, everything that you wish no one ever knew about you, is given over to God. And it says that we're seated in the supernatural. We're seated in heavenly realms. With Christ. That is amazing. I want you to know that. Because you might not see with your eye. But one thing that's true today is when you give your heart to Jesus. You in the supernatural are seated in heavenly realms. In heavenly realms. You died. You didn't physically die. You died. Your old self died. That's why the guys have come back and they say this. They say, I feel different. 
It's because there's something happens inside that no man, no conference, nothing can make. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. If you've never experienced Jesus, His Spirit before, and you said, all I've ever known is church, then, friend, I want to encourage you this morning that there is a Savior, that there is a Holy Spirit that wants to come inside of you. The one who, when we sung this morning, that we want to raise our arms, abandon to Him. And it's Him, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That makes us do what we want to do. It's not our own self. Because if it was, we'd fail at the end of this meeting. Paul challenges us with three rules. Three heavenly rules which I want to bring this morning. Three things that I want to encourage you to do when we understand this Colossians 3 scripture. And the number one is this, to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Colossians 3 verse 2 said this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The message, I think we've got this up here, but the message Bible, so I always look, love to look at this, but the message says this, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. I said it a minute ago, don't look with your natural eye and see that that is your Christianity. We need to think differently. To renew our minds. Think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. Paul is saying to us that we need to readjust our minds. We need to readjust our thinking when we're born again. Whether you've just become a Christian or you've been a Christian for years. You might have to today to start thinking about readjusting your mind. To readjust how you think and how you see God. I just love when these guys again have been coming back from the camp and they're saying that they've got closer to understand more about God. You see, it's when they understand who He is, they have a revelation of who Jesus is, they can worship Him. Before they said, we looked around and we saw others and we thought, this is not for me. But what is it that changes them? It's not us. Keep on doing what we're doing, worshipping, and just hoping that they're going to worship one day. It's the Spirit of God that changes the perception. When they're seated in heavenly realms, they see things differently. Then all of a sudden, they're not looking at their friend, thinking, I'm going to try and worship like you. They want to worship whether they like it or not. They want to give everything to the one that's given them all. Renew your mind. We're not robots. We're not... It's not that we're trying to change ourselves or, or do something robotic and just turn ourselves into something we're not. When Paul talks here about renewing your mind, it's a completely different thing. You see, I don't know if you ever found this, that if, if you told someone in, in your workplace, your schools, you said, I need to renew my mind, they would say to you, the church is brainwashing you. You don't want to be brainwashed. You want to keep your mind, keep your personality, keep everything. Let me tell you this. When you become a Christian, you don't lose your personality, who you are. You don't lose the personality. We lose the bad traits. We lose the things that we want to get rid of that God wants to deal with. But we are who we are because he formed you. It's just that you got, you got corrupt. 
And let me tell you this, the best thing that you can ever have, despite what your friends or anyone can tell you, is you need your brain washing. You say, well, you can't say that. You can't say that because people say that you, you know, you're brainwashed into some cultish thing. Let me tell you, the world is doing no favors for us. The world does no favors for us. You tell me, when you turn on your TV, where it's doing you any favors. Things are changing on TV now where you turn on and the, the, the years ago when you used to hear the watershed and things were shown later on when the kids went to bed. Things are changing. And there's things shown on TV now that we would have never, our parents would have never accepted years ago. But the culture t- brings it in. And then we look at these things and accept them. Let me tell you friends, that the world is doing you no favours whatsoever. There's good things it does. So we can't criticise what some of the good things the world gives us. But the world is not for you till you go to the grave. It's not for you all the time. And it doesn't do us favours. So we need to renew our minds. To adjust to the kingdom of God. To the kingdom of heaven. Different view. A different perspective. Paul reminds us again of this in Romans 12 verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Different scripture, he tells us again. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Brilliant bit of scripture. The same thing again. He's saying do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to do that. You've got to take some steps to renew your mind. You've got to do these things. And then the great thing in this bit of scripture, it says, if you do this, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many of us want to know what that is? We all want to walk in his will. He says, do these things, adjust your mind, renew your mind. Not to some odd philosophy or odd doctrinal teaching, but to to know that you are seated in heavenly realms. There's nothing weird about it. So when someone says to you, don't be brainwashed, I want to encourage you. Ask Jesus today. Say, Jesus, I want to be washed. I don't only want to wash by my sin, but I want my brain to be washed. Because there's a lot of rubbish sometimes goes in. The truth is this, that if we conform to the patterns of this world, we conform to the rulers, of, the ruler of this world. If we do what the patterns of this world are, and we just try and make our Christianity work with the patterns of this world, it will never work. It will never work. The two don't work together. The two never work together. To adjust, to try and think that you can follow the pattern of this world, but also follow the pattern of God. It will never work together. Ephesians 2 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit 
That's the same thing. The rule of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It says here, basically, in Ephesians 2, it says that if we followed the ways of the world, whether you're aware or unaware, you're following the rulers of this the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, the enemy, who is now at work in those who are disobedient to God. I want to tell you, you want to be obedient to him. Obedient to what God is saying to you. That's what the key is. Be obedient to him. When the pattern of this world is totally opposite and you go to school, you go to work and you think, what do I do? Do I follow the patterns of what everyone else is doing or do I follow what I hear God is saying to do? The key is this, be obedient and if we do these things, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Let me tell you something, everyone here, young people, those who probably not Christians, the best thing you could ever have is walking in God's will for your life. Because when every, every one of us have heard the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. When you hear these things, God wants to give you plans. He has plans and a will for you. And to, to do these things, we have to obey him. Obey him. To see them come to pass. Otherwise, You'll have the plans of what the world has for you. And the world, as I said already, does us no favors at all. Second Corinthians 10 says this, that we need to bring our thoughts captive to Christ. So you're saying, how do I, there's things that drop into my mind, there's things that come into my mind, and I, I can't um, control what I think sometimes. Sometimes things come into my mind and I think, I don't want to think these things, and the more I think that, the more they come. How, yeah, man, that's what happens, isn't it? We're all the same. We're human beings. If anyone ever tells you, a Christian tells you that they don't think bad things, that is totally wrong. It's totally wrong. We're all sinners saved by grace. But it's what you do when these thoughts come in. Do you run with it? Or do you flee from it? Do you bring these thoughts Captive to Christ, say, God, I know I'm seated in heavenly realms. Therefore, even though I feel this, even though I don't know how to deal with it, Lord, I'm giving it to you. And I'm struggling with it, Lord, but I'm giving it to you. The ones who don't do that and the ones who just easily give up are the ones who are not being obedient and bringing their thoughts captive to Christ. And these things will overcome. They'll overcome. The day you became a Christian, the day you become a Christian, there's a war on the mind. There's a war on your mind. I never recognized it until I became a Christian. I realized there's a war. And let me tell you this, just as Job experienced, if you read Job, actually sometimes it's good that you know that you're in a war. Because when you're in a war, you know that there's an enemy, you realize there's something good in you. Yeah? There's something that God, he sees in you, even though you might not see it. And there's a war because the enemy does not want you to do anything that would advance the kingdom of God in any way. He realizes and sees that you've, your eyes have been opened to this new spiritual realm. You've seen the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've seen it. When you go to camp and you go to conferences, you've seen it. 
And the first thing that the enemy wants to do is this. He wants to tell you that everything you've seen and heard is rubbish. That it's not worth pursuing. But God is saying, be obedient to me. Run with it. Run with it. And renew your mind to heavenly thoughts. Romans 8 verse 5 and 6 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But here it is. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The key is here. The key is to let your spirit, let the spirit control your mind. Not your flesh and your sinful desires each day, but to readjust and let the Holy Spirit come in to control your mind, the way that you work and operate. Because all these things are good. We need to think about the things each day that please God. Think about things that will, we know is obedient to the character of God. And pursue Him. And the key is here that it's not by your strength or by your power or what you can do yourself. It's not about that. That scripture we've just read says this. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. If you want life abundantly, like Jesus said, then you need to do these things. Let the Spirit of God control the way you operate. I'll tell you what, there's no better exciting thing tomorrow when you go out than to walk with the Holy Spirit. To walk with the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I want you to show me some stuff today. I want you to reveal things to me. I want to start, do you know what? I'm walking in the natural realm. But you know, I want to start walking and seeing and hearing things in the spiritual realm that I can bring to earth. Because that's what Jesus did. He brought the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to earth. And touch people's lives. And nothing's changed. Church should not be any different to that. We should be doing exactly the same today. Number two. Another rule that we need to look at. Is to rule your body. Earlier we read in Colossians 3. Verse 5 it said put to death. Therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I find it interesting that this scripture here asks us to put to death some of these things. These sinful things that are in our nature. That first of all, he asks us to renew our mind. We heard it earlier, as as I said earlier. When God comes in and he does something, when we readjust and start to see things differently in God's perspective... That's when you have the power by the Spirit to do some of these things. Without that, without readjusting your mind in the heavenly realms, you are going to find it very tough to put to death some of these things. But when the Spirit of God is living inside of you, you will be able to do these things yourself. You're saying, I can't do this. I can't. There's certain things that if people knew in here that I did, 
If certain people knew that I looked at some of this stuff on TV and on the internet when no one's around. If some people knew the bad things I get up to. I can't put these things to death. I can't do it. I'm so weak. That's what some of us are saying. We're saying now I can't put these things to death. But God is saying readjust your mind. Look at things differently. See that it's not about a set of rules. That I love you with an unconditional love. My grace will surpass all your understanding. And if you let me in, and you let me change your view, you'll see things differently, and then you'll have the power by the Spirit to put things to death. The biggest enemy that we have today is not the devil, it's ourselves. The devil plays on your lustful, evil desires. Yeah? He he plays on the things. You see, in Adam and Eve, when they were going to take the fruit, he doesn't come with the idea. He looks, he looks at what God's already said and readjusts and twists. And let me tell you, you, for us today, we need to start to look at things differently. We need to look at the way that we, we deal with these things, these sinful things in our lives. Because the biggest thing is ourselves sometimes. What we look at, what we allow ourselves to get into. When Jane said uh, earlier on, when she said that we need to, one of the best bits of advice is to stay away from the bad crowd. That's one thing I've always tried to do in my life. Sometimes I've failed and I've got mixed up with the wrong crowd. And let me tell you, it's, it's not been good. I look back and think, they were never doing me any favors. The world wasn't doing me favors. The best thing we could ever do is get ourselves around people who are godly. The best thing you can do, let me tell you this, if you can ever have the opportunity to get to the ones who are pursuing God, the ones who are chasing after God, be next to them, be close to them. If you, The closer you are to them, the closer you'll be to God because you'll always be looking at what, they, what are they looking after, what are they looking for. But the moment you give yourself to people who are disobedient to what God is and what he's about, you follow their ways. When we become born again, the Spirit of God becomes alive in us. Our spirits become alive. Before you gave your heart to God, your spirit was, was dead. And then he, he invigorates and brings to life our spirit. And there's a connection made. And that is, is such an awesome thing because that is the key to live over the fleshful, flesh desires. Fleshly desires. The lusts that we have each day. The bad stuff. Every day is going to be a battle for you with your mind and also your flesh. Straight away, the enemy comes in and wants to show you and, and, and remind you the things that used to please you. The things that used to please you when you thought about them or you looked at them. But let me tell you this. There's no better thing. That even if these things sometimes feel as though they contaminated you, you wear a robe of righteousness if you give your heart to God. Clean robes. Clean robes. Paul says that we should get rid of these things. So even that we know as we wear these clean robes in the spiritual realm, that we should get rid of the things that are are, are slowing us down. That's all that's happening. They're slowing you down. God says, just get rid of them. They're no good for you. And do you know what? There's many things on, you turn on the TV today, there's many things that say there's 10 easy steps, get this book, 10 easy steps to freedom from addictions and all this kind of stuff. That's, there's some good principles out there for getting over addictions and things like this. 
Do you know what? The best thing that you can ever do is just pursue God, pursue Him, and all the things will grow strangely dim. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, says the song. and All the things of the world will grow strangely dim. There's some great things out there that can help us, but there's nothing better than looking straight to Jesus for Him. Romans 8 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can only take charge of your body if your mind is in the right place. If you get adjusted, readjust yourselves today to godly things, then you'll be able to readjust your mind, uh, your, what your body does. 1 John verse 4 says this, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. When you've got a battle to fight, the words of David said this, The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't have to do some things. But we should know that God has overcome through his son on the cross for us. There's victory. We sung it today. He's overcome. And it's by our testimony. By the word of our testimony. That we're set free. We're set free from these things. We have a battle to fight each day with these things I know. But he says the battle belongs to the Lord. He who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. So we should walk by his spirit, by the spirit of God in us to overcome. Amen. Putting to death some things for you today might mean cutting some things out. You say, well, there's certain things I just don't know how to get rid of. Do you know, you're saying I can't stop looking at the internet and things like this. And there's certain things I do in my private time. Let me tell you, if you need to put a child lock on some things, if you need to cut the internet cable, you need to do some things and take some extreme actions, this is what you have to do. When Joseph was tempted by Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, when he was tempted, he he fleed away from that. He went straight away from where that danger was. Effectively, it was like him cutting it out. And some of us need to do that. We need to flee from these situations, flee from some of these things and cut out some of these things that are bringing harm to us. And God is looking at us sometimes and saying, by my spirit, it's my spirit that's encouraging you to do these things. You see, I always encourage people with this. You say, I just feel God's angry with me. I've done so much stuff. I can't, I can't ever win God back. God never condemns us. He never condemns. There's two voices you'll hear. There's condemnation and that's from the enemy. That's the one who will put you down to the things you're doing and the things that God doesn't like, the things that are, where you're disobedient to God. But then there's another voice, a voice that comes in, a quiet, gentle voice that says, do you know what? You know these things are not good for you. These things are not the best thing for you. These things are doing no favors for you. Come away. Come away. Don't do it. Look to me. Look to me. And you'll find freedom. Just turn away. 
turn away from these things. It's never condemnation. And the truth is this, that the, the enemy wants you to see that the condemnation voice is God's voice. Because when he gets you to believe that God's angry with you, because you can't stop some of these things, he's got you right where he wants you. But the truth is this, the Holy Spirit says, I've come to encourage you, I've come to lead you away. I want to encourage you today to listen for that gentle voice. And put to death some of these things that you find difficult to do by his spirit and by his power. Finally, the third thing is restore your heart. Colossians 3 verse 15, as we read at the beginning, says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You know, we can read some of these scriptures sometimes and just glance over them and just think, you know, that, that's great. Let the peace of God rule in my heart. This is just so key. There's so much in our hearts. Our hearts, sometimes we have broken hearts. Some of us have been let down and in our hearts we're broken. And it's at that place where it starts for us, where Jesus really meets us in our heart. The real inner self. And Paul's saying here, let the peace of Christ Rule in your heart. Let it rule. You know, some of the things we talked about this morning, it's like this, that you need to almost reset, reset the system to default settings. You see, I always find it funny when I ring up IT in my office, Every, it's always funny in the office. Every time something goes wrong with the computers, everyone else asks, asks each other first. They never ring the number. And I always have to say, just ring, ring IT. <laughs> why, why do I know the answer? But they always ask. And then they ring IT. And then the first thing IT says is, have you restarted the machine? And you think, no, I haven't. Because I couldn't be bothered to do that. <laughs> and then they, if they can't do that, they... They will restore. If there's something wrong, they'll go back to restoring to factory settings. When I've been to the, back to the shop and took my iPhone back a few weeks ago, they always ask the question, have you reset to factory settings? And I'm thinking, no, I haven't. <laughs> because some, sometimes we need to restore back to the things that have corrupted. You see, in, 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 in computers and phones and all these things we have today, when we have to restore to factory settings, it's because that along the line, certain things corrupt it. They call viruses. And you know, some of the things we let into our lives, some of the things that have broken us, some, all these things are like viruses that you can just leave them lingering in the background. If they don't do anything, you don't see anything physically in front of you, then it's not really a problem. But most of these viruses are eating away in the scenes behind till one day your computer or your phone just dies because you didn't deal with it at the root. And I want to encourage you today, God's saying to renew your mind, take charge of your body, take charge of your life, but also to let God rule in your heart. If you've got a broken heart, he wants to restore your heart today. He wants to restore back to factory settings. He wants to restore back to before you ever were hurt or broken or things have just totally ruined your heart. That you think, I can't pursue God anymore because my heart's broken. Yeah, I like all these things to renew my mind, but my heart is broken. 
God is saying today, I want you to readjust because I want to restore your heart. I want to restore your heart so that you look at me with different eyes. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. What it's saying there is that it's our heart should be guarded. Our heart is a precious thing. It's the thing that wins us over. It's the thing that deep down within, before our mind even starts to get, get in the process, our hearts. And if they're broken, if we're walking today with broken hearts from different things, God says, guard your heart. Because that's where everything flows from. I think it's in Matthew, it says this, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Some of us have just got some treasures. Some of us haven't even got much treasure at all and we're just looking at the treasure. Saying, this is all I've got left of my heart. This is all I've got left. I'm broken. I can't do this. I ain't got the strength. God says, I just want to, I want to bring you back so that I'm the treasure of your heart. So that I, when you look at me, I'm the treasure. I'm your real treasure. And when you see value in me, Christ says, when you see value in everything I am, you want to live for me. Your heart will be for me, even though it feels broken. Some of us have set these barriers up in our heart. We set barriers up that don't let God in anymore. And he just wants to reach us in our heart, to soften our hearts. Some of us have got hardened hearts today. And we need to God to come by his spirit and soften our hearts so that we can receive him again. John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here it is again. Jesus is saying, I can give you peace for your hearts. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I can give you a peace that the world cannot give. And where the world has broken your heart, where the world has let you down, where the world has just defeated you, so all you've got left is this little bit of treasure that you're holding on to. The only little bits of fragments of treasure. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, peace I have and I give to you, not as the world gives, a different peace. And we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts because it's there where we'll have true life, life abundantly. Philippians 4 says, God's peace transcends all understanding. It's such an amazing thing. I always think that, you know, God's peace is just such an amazing thing because we, we sometimes think it's how we feel and all this. How, how we feel in our lives if, if our lives are, you know, we're not scared about anything. And sometimes God's peace isn't really that. God's peace is knowing an assured, assured found, a sure foundation that you know where you're going with him. That he's gone before you. That he has set things in place for you to have eternal life. Sometimes we think that the peace is that we, everything's perfect. It's not always like that. Jesus says there's trouble in this world, but I've overcome the world. You'll have troubles. So you're going to have troubles. And when you have troubles, it's not so peaceful. 
You try telling some of the people in the Middle East today, in Egypt, and some of the people who will be struggling that God's peace is far from being fearful, is, is, you know, away from being fearful. But the thing is this, when Stephen could stand there and be stunned for Christ, it's because a peace was inside of him that even around the trouble and the fear, even around everything what's crashing around him and it feels like there's no peace, he has a peace that surpasses all understanding because he let the peace of Christ rule in his heart. That's the kind of peace you want. So I'll just come to a close now, I just want to remind us, we need to renew our minds. Renew our minds, readjust. Readjust back to heavenly thinking. So when we do this thing, when we do these things, then we can put to death some of the things and rule our body. We can put to death some of the sinful desires of our heart. Put these things to death. God wants to restore our hearts. He wants to restore us back to default, to factory setting, to how he made us to be. Hallelujah. If you'd all like to stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.